0: and welcome to episode 301 of the mark and me podcast as always i'm your host mark now joining me on today's episode is the singer and the rhythm guitarist from the incredible band haunt the woods i'm joined by jonathan stafford now this is a band that i can't claim that i've known for years i've only recently discovered them but i can safely say that they have blown me away If you're a fan of bands like Jeff Buckley, Muse, you're going to absolutely love everything about this band. They've just released, as we're sitting here right now, a brand new album, and it's called Ubiquity. And I can tell you now, it's unbelievable. It will blow your mind. So hopefully, after you've listened to today's interview, you'll go and check it out, because it's absolutely awesome. Also, what I want to do now is say that I haven't actually released an episode for nearly three weeks, that's unheard of for mark and me but the reason was is episode 300 did so so well as you know it was a dream guest for me my number one guest that i've wanted since i launched the podcast simon Neal from biffy Clyro. i couldn't dream of this episode doing as well as it has it's been my most downloaded episode that i've ever released in seven years of podcasting it's beaten any other guest, and it's still being massively downloaded each and every day right now It got to number two on the whole of Apple Podcasts in the UK, number five in Canada, and number 21 in America, which is just insane. It's also hit the top 30 on Spotify. I couldn't actually imagine anything doing this well, so it's blown my mind. And a massive thank you to everyone that's taken the time and listened to this interview. You may also notice as well, I've launched a YouTube channel now, Everyone was always saying, please do some video interviews. I really want to see behind the scenes. And I did this off the back of Simon Neal. It's up there now. You can also go and check out Tim Wheeler from Ash. And you can go and check out the amazing Alex Winter. They're all available for free. So just go on YouTube and search Mark and Me Podcast. And as always, if you can hit that subscribe button and like button, it really goes a long way. I'm going to be bringing you loads of videos very shortly. Right, let's get back to today's interview. It's a huge one. Haunt the Woods. What a band, what a great guest, and his first ever podcast. So it's a great one that we started with Mark and me. Here's me and Jonathan talking all things music. <laughs> So, John, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast.
1: It's a pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. It's really nice to uh, chat and meet you. Uh,
0: What I love to do with all guests that have been on the podcast, even though it's been going seven years, they all get the first question. And what I like to know is where it all started for you. So maybe as a kid, you bought an album with your pocket money or someone in your family gave you an album. But what was that album that you remember that you just instantly fell in love with and kind of, you knew that that was the one, you'd read the lyrics, you'd smell the inlay of the CD, you'd be obsessed.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. It was definitely CDs, that was the the go-to thing. Um, I remember, like, getting a little mp3 player as well, which was amazing when I was, like, 11 or something. Um, and that was, like, quite new technology. Um, I guess the, album, the one that comes to mind is quite a hard question but I guess the one that comes to mind is probably uh, O or Nine by Damien Rice. Oh, nice. Um, I Yeah, yeah. There's also, uh, I, I would also add a footnote of like Survival by Bob Marley was another one, very different types of albums. But the first, the first one really was, yeah, I, something about Damien Rice as I came into like developing my own music taste, because obviously up until that point, I was quite just exposed to like my parents. They didn't listen to a lot of music, but they list, the music they listened to, my mum liked Motown, and my dad likes Meatloaf and stuff like that. <laughs> so, like, that's what I was exposed to in the early yes. years. Yeah, it's Meatloaf, quite dramatic, like almost like theatrical stuff. But Damien Rice, oh, I just something about the way he uses dynamics and the rawness and the authenticity. And the honesty of both the recordings and the the lyrics and the music. I don't know. I was probably about eleven or something listening to Damon Rice, so I didn't fully understand it. I don't think I fully get all the lyrical parts, but there was something about that record, those two records, that just struck a chord in me. I could feel its authenticity. Um, the thing I yeah. remember
0: about that album as well, I know um, people don't appreciate this as much now, but it came in like not just your normal CD case. It was like a sort of fabric, cardboardy, yellowy yeah. cover. And I remember it thinking like it felt special. It felt like more than just a normal CD.
1: Yeah, because they all came in those dual like plastic cases. Yeah, But that was, yeah, that was the first one I'd seen as well for those records. Where it's a cardboard wallet, yeah, but it was really beautifully made, like great artwork and stuff, um, and put quite minimalistic. If I remember the, the yeah, it was covers, lovely. I think it, I think it literally just had like and a was little like,
0: drawing, and then it just literally said Damien, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, that was it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. The, the, that was yeah. I've forgotten that until you said that. Yeah, I remember. the I can feel the card wallet now. And um, yeah, I just think it's an amazing album, amazing album. I haven't
0: Both heard it for albums. years, so I think after the, today the, the, I'll
1: be listening to it. Yeah, go go and, go and do it. I haven't heard it for a while either, to be honest. Like, you go through waves with music taste or what you're listening to, not necessarily taste. I might have to go and re-listen to those records as well. So uh,
0: live music changed me when I went to my first gig, and I realised that, you know, as much as I love listening on CD, to see a band in the flesh is kind of the, the pinnacle moment for me when I thought this is all I want to do like I just want to be in a band for the rest of my life it blows my mind that those songs I've been listening to are now in front of me being performed did you have a very cool first gig or was it quite an embarrassing one or how did kind of live music come into your life?
1: Um, I guess the live music came into my life as a as like playing live music before I saw live music really yeah. like I think I think I started doing gigs when I was 11, like not proper gigs, well, I say gigs, you know, like started playing my guitar and singing, um, at a youth club, uh, in Saltash um, called Livewire Youth Music Project, which is like you pay 50p to go to it <laughs> and, get, and you can get free music lessons. Uh, it's got a 400 capacity venue. Um, and it's a youth club as well. Um, uh, and that, yeah, that was really my first exposure. I'm like, I remember being, singing in a carol concert when I was in a choir in like year four and stuff, you know, pretty standard stuff. But that was, but then, so before seeing a live music, that was really my exposure. The big thing for me, the big gig was I was in year six. So I was like 10 or 11. I was in a school choir and I had like solos in the choir. So I had this really cool teacher um, music teacher in primary school and we performed on the Plymouth Hoe to like several thousand people our school choir wow. and it just like I loved it yeah I loved it it just it ignited a spark in me that was already there but like further ignited the spark in me and I just adored it and then the first proper gig I went to was probably embarrassing well maybe not embarrassing Avril Levine. um <laughs> At the of Pavilions <laughs> when I was
0: about twelve, I think, or eleven or twelve. It's not embarrassing. I, quite... I have a lot of people now that still she's literally touring right now, and people are still like really excited to go and see her again after so many. It'd be scary. for like twenty years now since the album, and uh, yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's. I think she helped really change music and encourage bands like Paramore and the female-fronted bands to really go for it. So I think she's uh, It's not embarrassing. That's a cool first gig.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah, she, she was like pioneering in terms of she kind of just, in and, and from what I know anyway, I don't know a lot about her like personally, but from what I can tell, she just kind of was like, nah, this is who I am. I'm this kind of kind of like skater, uh, Canadian young woman, and like that's who I'm going to be and no one's going to change me. It did all feel fairly authentic, and from, from this Small bits of interviews I've seen. It seems like that was her. She was like, "This is who I am. This is who I'm gonna be, and I'm not gonna be like like a country singer and dressing country clothes or whatever." She like just did her thing. Awesome so
0: I don't know the full background about you actually as a musician obviously I know that you play the rhythm guitar and vocals in the band but um, was Haunt the Woods your first kind of main band or did you do the whole thing at college where you were in battle of the bands and lots of different cover bands at school and stuff or was this kind of your first setting out as being a band?
1: I did I did um, I've always played music from about five five years old I was lucky and I had was lucky enough to have parents who could afford to buy me like a a Spanish acoustic guitar when I expressed yeah when I expressed interest in 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 the guitar and I don't have musical parents at all really um but they they bought me like it's only like a 30 or 40 quid Argos guitar but there's a lot of people who parents wouldn't even be able to afford to get them that so that was really nice and encouraged me I started learning to play the guitar, not very well, teaching myself, had a few lessons, but kind of, I don't think I have the attention span for (laughs) things like that. So just ended up just feeling my own way through it. Got a chord book, learned some chords. And then I remember being in a band at Livewire, um, where we wrote our own songs when I was 11 or so. So I started writing when I was 11, 10, 11. Um, And we were like a rock band called No Limit. (laughs) <laughs> and we wrote songs like, and we wrote songs called nothing to lose and stuff like that, you know, so, when we were like 11. So it was just, please, please tell me some
0: of these are recorded somewhere.
1: Oh, there is that I don't have them, but we did make a CD because LiveWire has a recording studio. That's free to use as well. That's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing place just down on the waterfront. It's, so, actually, it's still there. It's And I learned just it's amazing things to have on your doorstep when you're a kid. So, did like a few things like that but not very seriously and then I ended up going to a secondary school on my own that I didn't know anyone That like, no one from my primary school went so I kind of all of the ties I had all of the friends I had didn't have anymore so I started just playing music on my own um and then like kind of dipped into bands um like again originals it was always originals it was never didn't play cover songs um but really got into like gigging and I used to busk outside Tesco like and bunk off school when I was like 14 and go and busk outside Tesco playing my own original songs with no amplifier, just like my guitar and my voice trying to like bashing the strings and like breaking strings and having bloody fingers because I didn't use a pick. And <laughs> um, So, yeah, I mean, I've always done music, but Haunt the Woods started when I met Phoenix, our guitar guitarist our lead guitarist and we played i had i had a set of songs that i'd written and i'd like put them on soundcloud or something and uh, he'd heard them before and we met for a mutual friend and then we met up for a jam and we played the first note of beautiful catastrophe together and we've both agreed that immediately we're like right this is going to be a really cool project um and i don't think very much that we played in that jam that first jam of Beautiful Catastrophe, which is one of our songs that we released for our first EP, yeah. I don't think much has changed really um, in terms of how our parts are. He, he wrote an amazing solo, but other than that, like I think they're, they're pretty similar to what we played in that first jam. So then, yeah, I mean, and then we met Ollie, and it was the first time it was like, right, we're seriously going to do this, not to any end or not. Like, didn't really know what the what the goal was but just because we all love music and i love writing music and i like can't live without writing music so don't know yeah just found a group of did, did you heard...
0: kind of um i know it sounds ridiculous but did you kind of have any expectations of how far you wanted to take the band any kind of let's set ourselves some like targets. Let's try and play so many festivals or sell so many albums or CDs. What was your kind of initial idea for how far this band could
1: go? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, it's a good question. I'm not sure Like we had an idea of where it could go, but like specific idea. But I think the goal was let's just play live. Let's just play as many gigs as possible. Let's just play our original music in front of people like and it was just like it's always been in me this like drive this just unrelenting like just compulsive need to create and play music and yeah i think in the early years i think the guys would probably agree i was a real driving force in that regard and booking like three gigs in a day and everyone being like why have you done this and like (laughs) you know having to run around with like I mean, Ollie played a cajon back then, so he didn't even play a kit and a flute. So it was like folk music, really. Then, when we were like nineteen, you know, uh, nine years ago or whatever. And um, yeah, so I'm not sure. I mean, definitely there was always an ambition and a belief that the music we're we're playing is authentic and honest, and and that like we'll stay out of the results of what i think that it's best for my mental health anyway if just stay out of the results of what people think of it and just keep doing what we believe in that's honest and true to us and full of emotion you know and if we can make i think the ambition's always been let's just make another album let's just make another album if we can continue to do this without it costing us any money then that's the dream yeah yeah eventually
0: maybe get some money from it too
1: (laughs) yeah maybe i mean we've have dribs and drabs these days but i mean honestly like money's just i've always i mean it's quite an unfortunate um attitude to have a lot of the time but also good in some ways that money's just something i heard someone say it once money's something you'd have just in case you don't die tomorrow so it's a nice you way know, to put it. Whatever if we get money, if we don't get money, like as long as we're making something we believe in that will outlast all of us anyway, you know, which is our music. So Does it does it feel like
0: even though you've guys uh was it twenty sixteen you formed, so seven years ago?
1: Yeah, I mean I think that's the when we properly formed this one I think we were playing music together for a couple of years before that. Phoenix and I at least, I'd say, but it's current lineup: me, Phoenix, Ollie and Jack. Jack joined about five and a half, six years ago.
0: Yeah. Does it feel like, and I said this with full respect, but it's only the real last 12 months that you've really seen the momentum and the kind of gigs are getting bigger and more people know of your band and the numbers are going up on Spotify. Because for me, I'm late to the game. I only discovered you a year ago, but you know, there was a lot of buzz at 2000 Trees about your set. People I've seen are getting very excited now with Spine Farm obviously being the record label behind it for the new album. It really feels like a lot's happened over the last sort of 12 months.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to some degree, I think before the difference we've seen is like Spinefarm have been great to us, given us some great support, um, really believed in an album that was already made when... Yeah when we when we came to them we already had this album made and they just were like yeah we love it we're not going to change anything we're going to get behind it we believe in the music so that was that was a big catalyst for stuff like reading leads 2000 trees the radio one plays we've been getting um you know and all of that stuff and like some cool music videos coming that we've have been able to conceptualize and so all of that's been cool. Um, I think before that where we live local there's a, there's always been a like so like four or five years ago we were putting on a gig so Conglaze cavern, which we'll do for the release of our yeah. album which is a cave in the middle of Cornwall like with no bus routes to it or anything it's mental and um, we we put on a gig there four or five years ago and sold it out so I think locally. In Cornwall and into Devon, for over the years, we've really had like a we've created a scene for ourselves because it's not a massive scene around here, um, but definitely on a on a we're starting to trickle out, and people are hearing about us all over now. Not in a big way, but like gradually, more people are starting to listen and starting to enjoy and see see something that that takes something from the music. And I think, yeah, definitely over the last twelve months and signing with Spine Farm, like it definitely was a factor, a big factor in
0: that. And how was the summer? Because I saw your set at Two Thousand Trees, which I thought was fucking mesmerized. And I love that festival. <laughs> oh, I love you. I love everyone there. I think it's like there's no dickheads. It feels like one big family and everyone's there for the music and the woods and everything. It just feels really beautiful. Um but then obviously to play Reading and Leeds, like that's some bands absolute complete goal like that's the biggest dream ever to play those festivals does it feel unbelievable to have done that this year
1: yeah it does like I think in a what in, in, in one way it's like I was talking to Ollie I drum about this the other day like stuff happens like playing Reading and in this moment now it's like cool yeah like that's what we should be doing but then if I think about years ago how we'd have felt about that. It would have been like, oh my God, that's amazing. We're going to play Reading and Leeds, Boobstam's and season stage. Wow. Like, you know, so I guess like your, my perception of what we're doing and how cool it is changes over time because the goalposts shift and we're always like, you know, pushing the goals higher these days um, and trying to not, it's like glass ceiling or whatever, if that's the phrase that you'd use. But yeah I mean obviously playing Red and leaves is amazing it was a really cool experience just to get to do it I mean and it was fun as well like the night before reading me Jack and Ollie were all sleeping in the back of my van on blurt mattresses and, <laughs> and 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 <laughs> but then the next night Phoenix was with us because he came up on the morning that we played so then we had a hotel but so that was nice but yeah, it's just nice to do, to get to do stuff like that together because we're all good friends. Um, and and to feel like the music's going somewhere and to meet cool people. Like, we've had a load of cool festivals. Like, even last year, this time last year, September, we supported Elbow. We were main support for Elbow at um, Tunes in the Park in Port Elliot, which is near us. That was a big one. That's probably... And then we did Marillion last year as well. We did some shows with them um yeah i mean all these opportunities are just to be honest once upon a time they would have been mind-blowing for us and it's good to kind of remind ourselves of that
0: have you got obviously with the album launch close to home have you got um anything in the pipeline to then get the music out there as much as you can live so is there going to be a big tour is there going to be lots of uk shows coming our way
1: we're hoping so yeah at the moment at the moment we're I think we're waiting for some dates to be delivered to us. Um, and, and like also to, it'd be nice to find a good support tour as well. Um, that we can jump on as well as do like a smaller headline tour, but who knows how the album will be received as well. Like, I think, yeah, we'll definitely do loads of shows. We have no concrete dates booked right now. Um, but I'm sure that won't be far away, and people can definitely expect to see see a, a cool show um, with lots of passion and pretty pretty rollercoaster vibes.
0: <laughs> do you do you feel pressure with the album coming out? Like you said, then you hope people you know it's perceived well and it might get you those support slots you're dreaming of and get you those uh, headline tours. Do you feel even though you've had the album a while and you've sat on it? because the world hasn't heard it, does it feel very nervous and kind of, um, do you have anxiety about, Oh my God, are people going to like this?
1: Um, I mean, not very much. No. Like I think for me, like the Rick Rubin's one guy I like a lot. And he talks about the, like, and he's just done his book, the creative acts.
0: I've got it. It's brilliant.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, like it talks a lot about staying out of the results and creating with with love and and like um, attentiveness and and like a, almost graciousness and just being allowing the conditions to be right for something to come through. You. And then after it's done, it's like it's not it's it's outside of you. So I I th- and I think for my own frame of mind the less I worry about if anyone likes the art that we create, the better I feel about my life in general.
0: That's good. You Um, don't want to put yourself under pressure when life's pretty terrifying as it is.
1: Yeah, life's a lot to deal with anyway. It's like constant... like
0: Battling and uphill struggles, so you don't need to make any more for yourself.
1: Yeah, but the uphill struggle is what makes everything so good in life as well. It's true. I, I, I remember hearing someone... Speak about you always need an uphill climb, and as soon as people don't have the uphill climb and are just in their luxurious palace, like their life unravels anyway. So, or or their mind may not always, but it can be a thing. Yeah, so,
0: I can sure a lot of people just then just switch off or just kind of waste away.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I I love the, I don't say I love it, but the struggle is as good as the triumph for me. Like they're the, they come from the same place. Um, like pain, happiness, there you don't know one without the other, so so we, again with with haunt the woods, we've had so much, not rejection, but so much like just it's been a long journey for us, and we've created so much and and not try to care too much about if anyone likes it. If we like it, that's what's important. If we're we still proud feel proud of it a year or two later, that's what's important to us. If uh, and obviously we want people to like it. I'm not going to lie and say that we don't. But like, if if other people get something from it, however many people, then that's like that's perfect. Doesn't really matter too much to us how many people. But we understand to keep making music, to keep making records that we want to make on the scale that we want to make them, which is. More and bigger and bigger and bigger and more ambitious, we probably will have to have at some point some degree of kind of commercial success so that it's financially viable. So I guess that that thought does get into the head, but I try and just observe it and let it pass and then focus on like what's real, which is what's outside of me right now. you know
0: that's good to hear and very healthy and kind of mature because some people just go out there and just oh, i just see how it goes and it's like well <laughs> it's not always that easy but at the same no. time don't overanalyze every little thing where every day you're looking how many downloads you've got otherwise it takes the fun away
1: yeah and i feel like the art suffers as well you know at the end of the day like like life in so many ways the way i express myself is music like and not in and like being romantic about it or anything it just is like and even if i didn't want to or don't want to sometimes I can't help it. It's just how I express myself. I think the more I worry about whatever people think about that, it really is very basically me worrying about what people might think about how I express myself. And I just can't. because It would be easy to do that. And I have done in the past, but it's just, it's not beneficial. And I just don't have time for it. just need to keep on creating art because that's what I love doing. And I feel like the guys probably feel similarly as well. And,
0: I see when anyone's discussing uh, or writing about your band, they do compare you a lot of the time to Muse and Jeff Buckley. And mm. I see it an awful lot. And that must be one of the best compliments ever because for me, I think Jeff Buckley's the greatest singer of, uh, that I've ever heard. Grace is one of the greatest albums of all time. And he was taken way too soon. And. Yeah. Do, do, are you a massive fan? Is that something that consciously comes in your songwriting, or is it just a comparison that people have just picked up on because it remotely sounds like it, or is it in your blood as well?
1: I think the comparison came first. Actually, I went to live and lived in Liverpool for a year when I was eighteen, and I remember um, playing a playing a gig on my own is before Haunt the Woods, yeah. and this chap who um, went to the the uni who was a few years older than me, he was in a band. He said to me, have you heard Grace? I was like, what's Grace? He was like, what do you mean, what's Grace? Don't be silly. I was like, no, honestly. He's like, Jeff Buckley. I was like, I've never, li- I don't know Jeff, but I've not listened to him before. And he was like, you must have listened. I was like, I really haven't. I really haven't, honestly. And then he introduced me to Buckley, and I thought, and he comp- made that comparison. And I really like the music. I mean, I, d- I don't think there's many people would hear Jeff Buckley and not connect with it in some way. He's amazing in the way he uses his voice it's like an instrument so from that point onwards about 18 so for the last 10-ish years it's really obviously like i heard the music and i really liked it um but the comparison came first and it's definitely informed me wow you, you really can use the voice as an instrument you don't have yeah. to just like sing words you know and and that word 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 but it's like it's almost like the words are one thing, but the the voice is another thing. It's like comes from, I don't feel, like, I don't think it's like any other instrument. I feel like with every other instrument, there is, um, there is something that it has to come through. So, so like the soul comes through your fingers and onto a guitar. So there's like another third, but with the voice, it just comes out. Yeah. There's no separation between body and noise if you know what I mean. No, I do. Like, it literally comes it's from so true. Me. And I think that is so apparent to me when I listen to singers like Jeff Buckley, other singers too, but, um, but him particularly. And so he definitely influenced me and made me think that what I was doing that people, that someone had said, it reminded them of, which is a massive compliment. I mean, and, and I own it. Yeah. And I've had it a lot and it's really good. Uh, massively. You know, I'm, grateful and very like um humbled by people saying that because I do think he's a brilliant vocalist Um but yeah he definitely made me like educated me a bit you know I yeah. learned how how bet how the, there's not really any limitations to the voice and like you can increase your range by working on it and you can yeah there's something about the human voice which is different and he definitely yeah i'm i'm really humbled by that comparison
0: Uh, you you literally get people writing saying queen muse Radiohead, beatles yeah fucking hell like that i would be very proud of that i'd be like yeah i'm framing that on my wall like you're comparing me to the best british bands of all time
1: i mean it is amazing but at the same time subjective so someone else might go, Oh, I don't like oh that wailing and that oh I shrieking. <laughs> you know, like my nan probably might say something like that. She might go, Oh, why, why do you just why do you have to do all the shrieking? She'd probably say something like that, you know. So <laughs> I, I I just think it's subjective and it's really nice when people say kind things and like compare you to people who you think are great as well. It's a really nice thing. But at the same time it's like it's it's a matter of opinion, isn't it? So No, that's it, fair. But yeah, I've I, Radiohead right or another, who I found after seeing them uh, on the Pyramid Stage at Glastonbury. got uh, a way to discover them! Years, yeah, six or seven years ago, I heard them um, and thought, "Oh my god!" And I'd only ever really heard Creek before and thought, "Okay, yeah, they're all right—that nineties band or whatever." But and then I listened to the whole of OK Computer, and I was like mind blown after that gig. And then found Ollie, our drummer. He uh sent me in rainbows and the song in masterpiece weird weird fishes yeah i know and i was just like wow because i was just getting into time signatures like weird time signatures like sevens and fives and stuff like that so um yeah just blew my mind they
0: blow my mind all the time and kid a is just absolute genius i just think how the hell did they do that at that time
1: yeah i don't think there's a bad album even pablo honey's like okay but yeah, it it just shows went, all the potential of what's coming, better. yeah. Yeah, it just got better from, from Pablo Honey. Like It just was pioneering. I think Dave Grohl, is it, said, I remember him seeing an interview, like the, the most seminal rock album of modern times is OK Computer. Yeah. It's... yeah and I thought, yeah, I agree with that.
0: I, I listen to it, and every time I hear it, and I'm, I've listened to it for 20 years, every time I hear something new,
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like banger of an album.
0: Fucking layers on it. It's just mind blowing. I, don't, yeah. I don't, honestly don't know how you construct a song with so many dynamics and range, and it's it's fucking genius. It is. Let's just talk about Radiohead for the next half an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah, a fucking brilliant Radiohead cast. We
1: could just put on a record and just and just talk about to, why it's so good. Listen to an okay computer and do a little uh, commentary over it.
0: That'd be unreal. <laughs> but are you guys now with this album? I know it's done at your end, you've heard it, it's all mastered, it's ready to go. Uh, The label have heard it and taken it on board, not made any amendments or changes. Mm. It must not feel like a new album to you now because you've had it for a while. So are you already as a band writing the next follow-up or new music to play live?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Like the album does feel like what we were doing before, you know. Not to say I'm so proud of it, I haven't listened to it for quite some time, but I'm really proud of it. I love playing the songs live. And that's like one of the first times I've felt about that, about our music. But I write like, not in a like, oh, I write loads of music, but in like a just on it, like how I cope with life. I write a lot of music and I'd say like a good, the majority of our songs come from me bringing a song to the guys and then us figuring out how it can be a Haunt the Woods song Um, because I write just on a nylon guitar, me and my guitar a lot of the time. So, but the one or two will be like the other guys come up, like Home was something on the new album or something Jack came up with, uh, like the the piano part. I always write the lyrics and the vocals. But like mostly it comes from me. So I've already got, I'd say, so I, I started just like another project for a little that I was doing for a bit just to do some gigs when we weren't gigging just locally. It was very under wraps and I wrote a hot, an albums worth of material for that. Then I've got another, and that was in like a couple of months just wrote this albums worth of material and, and learned it all and played a couple of gigs. And then just like in our local noodle bar. And then I've, I've been <laughs> working on like, I've got an album worth of like material that's just mine at the moment that like, I will show to the other guys. And then I've got probably two thirds or maybe a whole record of um of uh, Haunt the Woods stuff. We've started jamming bits of it. And I know the other guys write songs as well that I don't hear until we start jamming them. So I'd say there's like three and a bit albums worth of songs floating around. That's insane. Just from me and then whatever the, whatever the other guys have got. <laughs> That's this, good, so that's at least you're going to be
0: busy at least it's not like oh fuck how are we going to top this album we're going to have to really start trying to get together more and write like some people yeah. panic then.
1: well we are going to have to do that to get on the same page and like start get fleshing ideas out because that is like more than half of the process like yeah a lot of the songs i bring like fever dream when i first played it to the guys they were like what the hell is this like this is just mad and <laughs> this is never going to work. I remember Jack going, I hate this song. I'm never playing it. And then like a month later, it was like opening track on the album. So like it does take a lot of figuring out. And my ideas are quite erratic as well. So uh, and all over the place. But yeah, me and Ollie started jamming. I mean, it's how a lot of this album came about as well. Like it was during lockdown. So Phoenix lives a little further away from us. So me and Ollie were meeting up at his um, during the whole you can't meet up thing. Yeah, whatever. We were meeting up and making some music and we were jamming at his place because he lives in this church, this converted church is where he lives. And he's got space. So he has his kit set up and we just jammed like the early Now Is Our Time and like uh, other songs, like lots of other songs, Equilibrium, Gold. We're jamming early forms of these. And we've just started doing that with new ideas now. Um, And it was really exciting, that a jam we had the other day, um, which was centred around this really interesting new song, which is a continuation and involvement of the sound on stuff like Fever Dream. Um, So, yeah, there's plenty, plenty of music. We can't wait to make another record, to be honest with you.
0: What happens to the stuff that doesn't get past the guys? So you said you've got three and a half albums worth. Would there be a solo album for you or a separate project or something else? Or are you just prepared to put it on the shelf until it's ready one day?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I guess the guys to some degree are like a shit filter yeah. as well. Like, so like I th- I'm definitely a more of like, if you have a hun- hundred ideas, one of them's good. Like, cause I write a lot, but I guess, I don't know. I'd love. I'd love to. I love making music with Ollie, Phoenix, and Jack. Um, hopefully, the feelings mostly mutual, and may- if not always, because um, I know I'm difficult sometimes. But um, I'd I'd love to make. I'd love to dip my. T- I've got a lot of demo recordings that I record myself that I think are all right. They're all kind of like Bon ivory, minimalistic, like falsetto things um with a nylon guitar and like sampled drums and stuff so i've got like i've probably got an album or two of demos that of mine that i could release but i've got no plans to at the moment but there's no reason i couldn't like on the lowdown just just drop a little solo ep and not tell anyone about it and just put it out
0: We have got the exclusive now on this podcast that coming soon sale album
1: (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: what I do on the podcast, and it's my last question, and I ask this to everyone that comes on. um You get to choose the last piece of music that's played. So every episode is different. There's nearly 300, but every guest chooses the last song that's played. So is there a song that means a lot to you or a piece of music that you'd love to be played out? Not obviously by your own band by anyone in the world. I know it's difficult when you're a songwriter or a huge fan and music is your life, I can see that, but is there a song that stands out when I ask the question that comes to your heart before any?
1: Oh, um, You've
0: probably got 100 in your head right now.
1: That's an incredibly, incredibly hard question.
0: Uh, I always like the was- reason that comes with it because you'll pick one and then be like, this is why it came to my head.
1: Ah, uh, 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 oh, I'll tell you, just because it's what I'm into at the moment. OK. Um, there is a song called, it's just the first thing I think, yeah, that's good. So I'm going to go for it. It's called Here Comes the River and it's by Patrick Watson.
0: I've never heard this in my life. OK, it's great this is good because what I usually get is people saying the big ones like Nirvana and Pilgrim and Oasis and stuff. And I'm like, that's good. It's right. got a reason. But if this is something new that I'll then go on a little discovery and find out loads more music by him, then that's going to be a really exciting thing. Oh, he's amazing.
1: Days. He's amazing. So Patrick Watson is just an amazing, it's mostly piano based, yeah. beautiful lyrics. Um, the first time I heard the song, here comes the river, which is the one I'm, Saying that uh, to play, I just it made. There's this beautiful string arrangement, his voice and his lyrics, and there's they're quite abstract lyrics. Um, but it just struck a chord in me because I don't know why. If I knew why and could just stop it, then my life would be much easier because I'd probably just be like a electrician <laughs> or something and actually like have a stable life. But unfortunately, when I listen to music, it just ignites a spark in me, and it just Evokes a response that I can't control, which is like if I hear something and I don't even know what it's about, it's the first time I've heard it, it's just beautiful. It just makes me cry, you know, not because I'm sad, but just because it they strikes. Mate. There's, there's nothing else in
0: the world. This is why I do the podcast. Music is what makes me live and breathe. And genuinely, hmm. I was driving home today before this interview and I was just listening to Biffy Clyro and their Opposites album and I was just listening to Simon's voice and how beautiful it sounded with just a stripped down acoustic and I wanted to cry and it's not because mm. I've had a bad day it's not because I feel sad I was just there's nothing else in the world that gets mm. me emotional like that and it's just the power of a song and I was like listening to his lyrics and obviously what he'd gone through to write that song and I was thought it's it's just fucking beautiful
1: yeah I agree and there's nothing like it I think music is the universal language you know like I think yeah. that is what i love about music there's something spiritual that is i think is impossible to understand about music because throughout the ages of history it's shown you know from people who have researched music and history of music like there's it's just this ever-present thing regardless of what in in what form or um what instruments of the time or whatever i mean the human voice is the constant one yeah and and it's just universal. And that's that's exactly what happened to me. I was listening to this song, Here Comes the River by Patrick Watson. I was driving my car. It's the first time I've ever heard it. Because I, I like Patrick Watson, but I've never heard this song. And I was just like, oh my god, and overcome with just I just thought it was beautiful. And it oh, just I'm gonna yeah. listen to it as soon as we finished. Please do. I hope you like it. I hope you like I what's, will this, what's this what's nap this naff song shit? that you tell me yeah. some yeah. Fucking hell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's a pleasure to meet you on here and mm-hmm. like i said i saw you at the festivals and i thought you were fantastic uh i hope you again there next year on a bigger stage and uh higher up the build because you. you deserve to be and i truly believe that um i said this before we started recording that uh i just i've just got this really good feeling for you guys like i feel like you're gonna really go far in the next sort of 12 months i've seen it already grow i've seen people tweeting about you and facebooking and instagram stories about you and i am seeing your name popping up a lot more it's not me telling people people are coming to me and i'm like yes i fucking told you about this band a year ago like (laughs) it feels really positive and that you're going to get something special at the end of this so i feel like this album's gonna get you hopefully where you deserve. And I can't I can't wait for next summer. I can't wait to see if you do three and a half albums in the next twelve months. I can't
1: wait. <laughs> oh, thank you, mate. Thank you. I think I think maybe we'll we'll limit to trying to do one more album. Yeah. But yeah, I really appreciate that. I'm sure the other guys will feel exactly the same. Like it's nice to We kind of live in our own little bubble down here in Cornwall and like we don't have a like it's not until we go and do gigs. It's like oh, people know the words, or people like this music, or people cry at our gigs. That's a weird thing all the time, and it's such a strange thing. Um. Uh. But yeah, um. Thank you. It must, you be, very it must much.
0: be surreal that you're having the same power that the songs we've talked about today that we listen to in the car. Someone's having that because of the songs that you have written. Yeah, that's yeah. a head fuck Like wow,
1: it's beautiful. It's like yeah, and it's hard to understand, but at the same time. I know that we're really passionate and I know that the songs we make aren't just like about ones that we, you don't really dance at our gigs, No, sorry to disappoint anyone if they wanted to, like, but you don't really dance at our gigs, you don't really like headbang, really either or anything like that. It's more like, I notice the biggest buzz for me is not room people jumping up and down singing along, it's like looking out and like playing the quietest part of one of our songs and the whole room is silent. Yeah. And like that happens all the time at our gigs. And I'm so grateful that, that to beat, to, to play that kind of music, like, because I think there's something special about that that is not loud and proud. Less it's, is
0: more. It really is like yeah. that, that real minimalistic moment is just like, it's just epic. It's better than any fucking kick drum and snare and distortion and massive overdrive <laughs> pedals. It's just, it's special.
1: But then that that massive kick drum and massive snare yeah. and overdrive and huge solo accentuates that moment of it does peace and minimalism in the music and it's a, quite representative of life in a non like arty farty way like really that dynamic journey you know and I think that that's what we love doing and I hope you're right that people pick it up and really enjoy it and... fingers crossed. Yeah, thank you very much. Though for I've got the album already. And...
0: I'm I'm very lucky, so I've got the album already, and I've been loving it. So uh, I'm going to oh, listen to it you. again later on. And I always listen to music in the car lately. I just I'm at that age now where I'm like at home's too busy, so I go out. I get in the car, drive into the countryside with my dogs, and I listen. And I'm like, that's how music yeah. should be So uh, yeah, absolutely. You
1: got to do the car test, don't you? Exactly. Have you ever seen the film the film once with Glenn Hansard where they? Have you ever seen that? I've not. No. Oh, it's, so it's Glenn Hansard and uh, I can't remember what the lady's name is. And they, they make this band and he's got all of these songs and he's like a hoover fixer living in Ireland whose girlfriends left him and moved to like England. <laughs> and like he gets into the studio and records this song. One of them's in 5-4. It's a banger of a song. They're amazing. And his voice, he's another one, Glenn Hansard. He's fucking incredible. I saw him with Eddie Vedder. Yeah, and Eddie Vedder's another one. So, but yeah, Glenn Hanson, pure emotion, and um, I can't remember where I started talking about this, but oh, uh,
0: the car <laughs> test in the film.
1: Oh yeah, and they so they make this demo, this to demo tape, this out, al- this EP in a studio, or this album, in like two days. And this film it is fictional, but in two days, and then they all go right at like five a.m. in the morning. They're all like, we've got to do the car test, and they get in the car and they put the <laughs> CD in the car, and they all drive along listening to the CD they've just made, and they're like, yeah, that's good, yeah cool it's it's so fucking true yeah
0: it is well you've passed the car test i can tell you that now so that's good
1: news oh thank you thank you i say, i actually i remember saying to my partner daisy like ages ago we've got to do the car like we made a song together and i was like we've got to do the car test (laughs) if we've got to do the car test, we've got to sit in the car and listen to it we've been listening to it mixing it all day and i was like no do the car test yeah it's a good feeling well, I yeah. hope
0: that when these tour dates come, uh, there'll be something closer by than Cornwall. As much as I love Cornwall, it's about a nine hour drive for me. So I love you guys, but it's a long, long <laughs> way. Um, but I will well, hopefully um, we come near you soon. Yeah, hopefully like Birmingham or Wolverhampton or Manchester or something like that. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'll come and say hello.
1: Please do, man. We get it uh be good to meet you. Definitely. In the flesh. We'll
0: <laughs> have a beer and uh, yeah, we'll let's make it happen, but.
1: Thank you very much, mate. I really appreciate your time and your kind words about the music. It's a pleasure. You're a fucking awesome
0: band, man. You're going to go far. And uh, I'll be the guy that can say I had them on my podcast before they got that big.
1: (laughs) Yeah, first ever podcast I've done. Well, I did a little one with um, a chap who runs the bar that we got. We had our first residency in, which is a little noodle bar in Plymouth. Um, I did like a little... little, uh, I wanted to capture a conversation with him because um, he's such an important person in my life. And I did a yeah. lot of things with him, but that's my only practice other than oh, the lovely. fact that I just, I just witter on all the time. I've definitely, Got the gift of no, it's good not
0: up. <laughs> no, it's good. Sometimes I ask questions and they are just like yes. I'm like brilliant. Um, so, are you, are you excited for the new album? Yeah, it's good. Okay, brilliant. Well, <laughs> okay, thank you very much. <laughs> that's my ten minute interview done. But um, yeah. it's a pleasure to speak to you, dude. And I'll uh, I'll keep in contact and we'll um, we'll hopefully meet soon.
1: Yeah, thanks, man.
0: So there it is. There's my interview with me and John from the awesome band Haunt the Woods. And as I said, please go and check out the album now. You will not regret it. Stream it, buy it. And I've just seen, as I was recording last week, they've just announced a UK tour. I think it's in November with various dates. Go and see them. I saw them at 2000 Trees. You'll not be let down. They are genuinely the band to watch. I can't praise them enough. They're just unbelievable. And they're so humble, they're so down to earth, and they have no idea just how good they are. And I can't wait to see where they go in the near future. I want to say today a massive thank you to everyone that keeps supporting this podcast. It's been an incredible journey, over 300 episodes, and I'm not slowing down anytime soon. I also want to say a massive thanks to Richer Sounds and Folio Society who both sponsor this podcast each and every episode. Without those guys, I wouldn't be able to keep it going. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it. It's all I ever ask for Mark and me. Also, if you really want to support me, I do have a Patreon account. It really goes a long way. If you can put any money into that, it goes right back into the podcast and allows me to host it on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and basically get across the country, travel around, and get as many interviews as I can for you guys at home. It's the only way I can do it from having support from you guys. I'll be back in only a few days' time with another brand new episode and also a brand new video on Monday on YouTube. Remember, it's called Mark and Me TV and I really appreciate it if you can subscribe, like and share those videos. I want everyone to get involved because a lot of work goes into them. So until I'm back with a brand new episode, listen to Haunt the Woods, take care and I'll speak to you all very soon.
2: The winner's the pole. The cities are seas, the cars are drowning underneath your feet, the children are swimming from the top of the trees. Crowds of umbrellas are standing misplaced. Mary kept sewing Holding on to her TV Even if the water Is rising past her knees Here comes the river Coming on strong But you can't keep your